Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. I Am Me is more than the name of her nonprofit organization. For Pierce Peach McCoy, it's been her life statement expressing her commitment to bringing her full self unapologetically to everything she does and spreading that gospel to other members of Delaware's LGBTQIA community. Originally from New Jersey, McCoy now calls Delaware home. She's the LGBTQ chair for the Central Delaware NAACP. She not only has a seat at the table, but she wrote the menu, personally writing and delivering to the organization guidelines for the committee. I Am Me was created to combat the continuous discrimination LGBTQIA people face in their personal lives, workplaces, and other social settings that can have a detrimental effect on their psyche, affecting their financial, mental and physical well-being. I Am Me Incorporated was formed to offer safe social spaces with programs that uplift and unify the LGBTQ community. Through its seminars, workshops, forums, and events, I Am Me builds positive relationships between the LGBTQ plus community and its allies to educate Delaware and end discrimination. Pierce, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. Well, Pierce, I want to welcome you to Collections by Michelle Brown. I want to say that in all your pictures, you have a beautiful smile, Uh, you know, (coughs) which is very warm and welcoming. How are you doing today? I'm feeling great. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm surprised I made it because I was just so busy this weekend. (laughs) You know, I like that you told when I was um, reaching out to you, said that you wore many hats, and I can certainly understand that. And I think that those of us who wear many hats, you know, we get a lot done because we recognize our intersectionality, and and try to bring all the pieces together. So I appreciate you having the time, too, as you wear your mini hats and you've got a lot going. You were a New Jersey girl. Now you're in Delaware. How, what's life like in Delaware? 
uh, Delaware is much slower than New Jersey. It's a lot. Um, when you're used to fast pace, it's kind of hard to transition. I had to transition a lot and realize, you know, people in Delaware necessarily is not used to the uh, same social norms and atmosphere as uh, Jersey. So I had to kind of get acclimated to it. And it took me a couple years to understand how Delaware works or function in the mind state of the people here. You know, because I have passed through Delaware, usually going to D.C., and it's out of that whole DMV area. Like, it seems like to me, Delaware is, is that little bitty place, you know, <laughs> that many people don't think of. Do you find that many people just pass through going to Maryland or Virginia or D.C. than coming specifically to Delaware? Yes, Delaware is definitely a pass-through state. Like, even Delawareans don't even do anything in Delaware. They mainly go to other places. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, what brought you from to Delaware in the beginning? Uh, I came here because of the taxes. It's a tax-free state, and I wanted to own a home uh, for, mm. of a significant size, but I didn't want to pay the prices that New Jersey wanted me to pay. I, it, it wasn't affordable. I have three children, and I needed the space. Wow. You know, and I, as soon as you said that, because about the tax rate, I know that I recall hearing that a lot of companies incorporate in Delaware because that very reason. And I'm sure that, I mean, I have heard people who are talking about relocating as they get closer to retirement, and they talk about Florida or Texas, but you're the first person who, on a, a personal level, I've heard talk about Delaware and the lack of taxes. Now, I know that Florida and Texas, the weather might be better, but, you know, is Delaware someplace that is someone, and you and I are women of a certain age, as you're getting closer to looking to transitioning into a different phase of your work life. Maybe it's retirement, maybe it's having your own business. Is Delaware someplace we should be considering? Yes. I think if you're looking, it depends, well, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking to retire and have uh, like a nightlife and everything close to you, then Delaware will not be for you. But if you're looking to retire and drive to your action, but you want the uh, quiet space uh, where you live, and definitely a community, then Delaware is for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I mean, because those are the things that you kind of you kind of think of. Like, to me, you know, if there's a plane, a train, or an automobile, I can get to where it is, but that peace of mind is what matters. I like that you, you're a mother. You're, you also say that you're a middle-aged woman enjoying life before you get arthritis. Girl, arthritis, <laughs> arthritis will get you. That's why, you know, in Michigan it gets cold. I'll be fine in the summer. But all of a sudden the weather will start to drop, and I'll go like, oh, what is that? And, you know, it's just, it's just part of life, you know, it's part of life. But, you know, one of the things that we were talking ahead of time that really made me take a look, you know, because, I mean, we have mutual friends, but also one of the things that you talk about is that you're, you're the LGBT chair of NAACP Central 
Delaware. And I know I was telling you like a couple of years ago, the NAACP was here, and they did a special panel. And not only did they do the panel on LGBTQ people of color, but not only people of color, and, and what was facing us, but out of that conference came, I know they passed a resolution on um, being welcoming and protective of our transgender sisters and brothers, but also of LGBTQ people. And it was like kind of hard, and like initially when they had heard people from the LGBTQ community who felt like a disconnect with the NAACP. And then while I was there, you know, on the panel, you know, I, in fact, I even had someone who was on there and she was like, well, you know, you need to support the NAACP. Like, I wasn't black. And I was like, well, actually, since I was, you know, before I had, was able to drive, I had a youth membership because my aunt bought that for us. And as long as we were, you know, in our teens, she maintained it. And I kept it going, you know, as an adult. How do you feel, what's your relationship and what got you involved with working with the NAACP? Well, for me, let's just first say that I had to discover myself as being the LGBT person. Um, I already know, you know, of course, I've had the black experience. And uh-huh. once I discovered who I was as a person, I decided that I my voice because I, I actually do other things like I have a platform where I had a lot of followers and I wanted to use my voice for real change. So how I got involved with the NAACP, my girlfriend actually was uh, a member and she was a part, I believe she was a part of the communications committee, social media mm-hmm. committee, and she wanted to bring me on and I said, you know what, no. If they want me, they have to accept me for who I am, and they have to make it a safe space for me. Mm. I talked to the president. So my first initial uh, interaction with the NAACP was a meeting. I spoke with the president afterwards. I said, thank you for having me. But only way I could be a member is if, you know, the only way I can be involved is if you make it inclusive for all of me you need to have an LGBT committee. And she was like, okay, you really think we need one? I said, yes. Uh, because not only am I black and not only are, are there are other people in um, Delaware that are black, we are also LGBT and we need to feel comfortable. And she said, okay, well, I'll think about it. And initially the committee didn't go through with that president but the second president that came, the president that came after her, she actually wanted to be more involved and in, in wanted the LGBT committee. And she knew from me from my previous interaction with the last president and me coming to, I think I came to two meetings at the MAX. And she was like, I see your vision and I'm willing to support it. I need you to write me what this committee will do what it will be about, and I want you to be the chair of it because I think you'll be the perfect person. And that's how I ended up there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's interesting because, you know, like I said, this was like the National Convention and um, Reverend Sadler, I don't know if you know Karan Sadler, like she, it was like she had to work really hard to pull this, you know, this panel on it was like she had um, two of us who were from the Metro Detroit area. She had someone who was from P Flag National. Um, she had another national figure, but it was like she had to work really hard because it was important. You know, when they wanted you to to write all that up and everything. Did you have a moment when you were like, you know, and I heard what you're saying, like if they want you, you know, you, you know, but then you still had to do a whole lot of homework. Did you feel that that was above and beyond maybe what they would or have wanted from someone else? Or did you have a question like, look, why do, why do I have to write this up and explain I'm part of the community? Um, no, I didn't feel that way. Actually, um I had already started my own nonprofit, and the president came to one of our meetings, and she said, you know, I love this, and I want the NAACP, I'm sorry, to be more representative of the LGBT community. And she was like, I support it. I just don't know how. She just plain out said, I don't know how to get this initiated. It wouldn't be fair if I tried to do it or write what the committee is about because I'm not LGBT. Only uh-huh. you could tell us. Only one of someone within that community can express what your what your needs are. And she was like, I would appreciate if someone from your board or if because you know, she was like, You're the president, I know you're busy, but I appreciate if someone from your board would write it and possibly be the chair. She said, I would want you, but if I can't get you, I'll, you know, take someone. And I said, okay, well, I'll be willing to do it because it's, it's just that important to me. It's just that important. So to answer your question, no, I did not feel like it was um, too much for me or why me. I felt like this is just going in the same direction I was already going anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's interesting to see because, you know, like I told you, like my aunt had involved us like from teenagers, but I will say that the more I started to live authentically and be out, I didn't talk about, you know, I didn't talk about, I kept that membership, and, you know, we always have this big dinner, and I had gone to it once or twice, and as just, you know, I'm a black person, I'm here, and then I was on the board of a an organization, and one of the people who was one of their top ticket sellers, he was like sort of closet, and I said, you know, well, what if we all come, what if we buy a table and put something to, you know, be visible? And it was like, well, you know, we appreciate the table, we'll acknowledge it. But I didn't feel welcome, so I sort of stayed closeted about being a member of the NAACP, but be, I guess because of the history and also what they do, I felt the need to support it. As you started to put this together, what was the reaction? What were you hearing from members of your Delaware LGBTQ community that you put into what you wrote about the committee, what you thought it should do? 
Well, this NAACP, this the central branch of Delaware, very yeah. supportive. So far, very supportive. Um, it was unanimous vote to have the committee. They unanimously love the goal of the committee, the mission. So I didn't have an issue at all. Yeah, but what about from from gay people? I mean, you know, did, did you find that there were more members of the LGBTQ community there who were just waiting for this committee to happen? And did they did they show up? You know, because like. I can recall going to the dinner. Everybody knew who was gay, but nobody said anything until they showed up, you know. And when we they had that panel, I was surprised to see other people, some of them I knew who were closeted, who came out because they said, at last the NAACP is acknowledging us. So when you said, did you go, did you get input from the LGBTQ community to you as to what this committee needed to look like? Yes, um, and the input, again, came from my own personal nonprofit, my personal experiences, and from I, I do a webcast also, and, and I draw from there talking to that community. So I sort of like have my own built-in um, fan-based community of LGBT people that made it possible for me to create and get involved with the uh, NAACP. Currently, the committee is not populated yet. Um, I I believe it's one other LGBT person besides my girlfriend that is within this central branch. But the community as a whole, the Delaware community is for it. They're actually for it. So right now what I'm trying to do is – come up with a way where I can populate it and make it free or affordable because I know at this time we are in COVID and people really mm-hmm. don't have the funds to do so, to, to mm-hmm. you know, get memberships and things of that nature. But so far from the following that I have, they are very supportive. They They are excited about the NAACP and what impact they can have for the LGBT community in uh, Central Delaware. For, you know, others who may be listening who are from a community, you know, anywhere, because, you know, I have listeners from here, there, and everywhere, what did you put in that letter? What, how did you define what are the goals and missions of your committee? The goals and missions of the LGBT committee, let me see if I can remember all of it because it was just so much <laughs> and I don't have it in front of me, um, mainly is for the NAACP, in order for you to represent us, you have to collaborate with other organizations. Um, so that's inside of the committee bylaws. You have to work with outside LGBT organizations. You yourself has to, you have to um, be more inclusive to LGBT people. So I, you know, during the meetings and when they're talking about uh, different things that they want to pass or do for the community, I make sure that you make it inclusive to us. Um, also, the language mm-hmm. uh, is in the committee about how you should address LGBT people, and we have to change some of the language. Um, to make it more comfortable. It's also stressed in there that you have to make the NAACP a safe space 
for us, especially the trans people, you know they have a different experience than the rest of us, you know. So it definitely has to be a safe space. Um, also, you know, it's just more about inclusion, more mm-hmm. about taking a look at the NAACP, that particular branch, and making it more inclusive and them working with other LGBT um, organizations and stuff, getting involved, um, reaching out to the LGBT community through forums, finding out what our needs are, how to represent us, where can you help, especially in the healthcare uh, field. You can help us a lot. Um, just different things. That's, that was the main goals. I just wanted inclusion, representation, and for you to be more supportive of us to acknowledge us. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that inclusion thing is so important because it's not enough just to sort of say, oh, you have a seat at the table, but if what the meal you're serving up doesn't include our taste and, and our thoughts and, and what we want. So that inclusion part is really important. I think it's kind of cute that you said that your girlfriend, your girlfriend sort of pulled you in. I mean, how did you know, was that like, well, of course, or it was like, you know, honey, I love you, but I don't know if I want to, <laughs> I don't want to bite this off, you know, because I know uh, that often with my partner, she's like, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. And I always give her the, the get out of jail cards, you know, like you don't have to, but how did that work? I mean, were you receptive to it or did she like sort of ease that up to you and it's like, you know, Pierce, I want to talk to you about something I think you'd be good at. <laughs> no, she was just, you, she came up to me and she said, okay, I'm going to get involved with the NAACP. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, but I think that you would be better at it. And I said, what? <laughs> she said, <"You> know. <laughs> because you are so passionate about just whatever you do. And I think you would just be perfect for a nonprofit and you'll be bad. And I said, okay. And I said, well, I got one question. She said, what? I said, Am I coming as my whole self? Can I come there and be Pierce, the black person, and the LGBT person? Because you know you don't get Pierce unless you accept the LGBT part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she started laughing, and she said, well, you come out. I know you. You'll figure out the rest. And I came, and I wrote down my thoughts, and she's always supportive. I said, this is not inclusive. This is where's the LGBT community uh, a committee. I can't be involved. And she said, well, that's why you're here. You, if you feel that way, you should talk to the president. All right, all right. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's right. You know, hey, I'm bringing all this to the table, and if they don't <laughs> like it, then I'm not the one. You know, uh, I'm not the one. You know, because I know that. I think that. Uh, when we were on the panel and someone was asking me, you know, there's just some lame question, like how do you how do you identify? And I said, you know, I identify as a black queer woman, and I make no apologies for any any of it. And it was like her eyes got big, like, you know, no, you know, you, you asked me to be on this panel. You're getting the whole thing, you know? <laughs> that, is awesome. that is really awesome. So I want to take a quick break. And then, I mean, you, you, before... I want to talk about the Peach Radio Show and then 
how you got into doing your nonprofit. But those will be in the next two seconds. So we're going to take a quick break. Okay. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. And we're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. And I am here with someone who I just enjoy. I'm enjoying talking to you with Pierce Peach McCoy. Um, We've been talking about how she's been involved with the NAACP. I love that, that, you know, it's a partnership. Hey, it's like she's coming, but I'm coming and bringing my whole self. And her partner acknowledged and represented it, recognized that was what was important, the whole self. But you mentioned that you have a radio show, the Peach Radio Show. First of all, where is where did the Peach come from, and is that um, a birth name? Did you adopt it? And tell me about the Peach Radio Show. Uh, no, that's not a, a birth name, and no, that's not even a nickname. The Pe- the name Peach, when I initially decided to do. Um, Peach Radio Show actually wasn't intentionally supposed to be a radio show. It was actually party promotions with my friend, and her nickname was Peach. So, uh-huh. okay, I'm like, Peach, 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 okay, Peach Entertainment. That works. That works. And uh-huh. we started doing party promotions, and it wasn't so great because it wasn't getting the amount of people that we hoped. Um, we were like, okay, let's create uh, this – this LGBT safe space, everybody's going to come, and boom, no one came, maybe a few. <laughs> like, okay, we only got like 20 people. Okay, we got to do something else. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe we have to reach out to the community more. Maybe they need to know us personally. So that's when we started doing the Peach Radio show. Now, the funny part is because I guess I was the more vocal one. Everyone just assumed that I was Peach, but I wasn't. So everybody just started calling me Peach, and I just stuck with it. I'm like, okay, they're comfortable with whatever. I'll just be Peach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, I never, you know, that's never my name. <laughs> well, you know, and I thought, you know, I'll tell you, because you've got this beautiful picture, you're in red, and you've got this, like, this lovely smile, and I said, you know, that must be how her personality is, you know, because I knew you weren't from Atlanta or from Georgia, but I'm going, like, she just has, must have this lovely personality. <laughs> Yeah, I like how you said you like first you were just doing promotion, but then what is the focus of the Peach Radio Show? Well, the focus after um, initially doing it just to reach out to the community and let them know we was here, I realized that I was as I was talking 
that it was actual discrimination between the LGBT community and they were also unaware about themselves as a whole. So I said, well, maybe the focus of this show needs to be more than just awareness about us, but just awareness about the community in itself. So everyone could gain an understanding and we could grab more, we could get more unified. Mm. Because I didn't understand. I'm like, how could you not know about, you know, how a lesbian person feeling some kind of way about a trans person, but you don't even know the first thing about being trans. Uh, how is this all one big community? I'm not getting it. This is not community. Community knows what goes on inside of it. So I said, well, this needs to change. We need to we need to educate. And so that's just been the focus since then. You know, I definitely can understand because, you know, like you said, how can people not know? And also, if something is happening to one part of our community, you know, it's only a moment till it happens to the rest of our community. And how can you say that, you know, and even going back to the NAACP, how can you say, you're about civil rights, okay? And then I'll say to some of my, my gay LG, LGB friends, because once they got the right to be married, like I said, but you're not concerned about what's happening to, the, to our trans sisters and brothers and that they're not separate and that just like they can continue to get discriminated, it's just a heartbeat right. for it to turn back on us and as black people to do it. And... I like that because, you know, we have to know our community. And I find that often, like, when you you can focus on somebody, like I look at you, all the hats that you're wearing and what you're doing, there's somebody else out there who could say, you know what, I could be doing that. I could be living bigger than, than what I am. Or, you know, you're not the only one. Here are people who are, you know, not just surviving, thriving. Yeah. Right. So, how long have you done the radio show? I think that the Peach Radio Show started maybe in 2016, and it uh-huh. still continues on. I haven't done much this year because of nonprofit, but uh-huh. I do get inboxes, you know, asking me to bring it back. We learn so much; um, it's needed, and I'm like, okay, I'll bring it back. Uh, How often were were you on the air? I would do it every Tuesday night at 8 p.m., and it would stream on Facebook, YouTube, uh, I believe Twitch, and a couple other Facebook groups um, and Instagram simultaneously. And, you know, Uh it's a lot, but it it was rewarding. Uh Oh, yeah. And do your guests come just from, like, primarily – the Delaware area, trying to build up that community? Yes. Um, initially, it just first started with myself and a host. I have maybe two or three hosts since it all started. Um, and most of it is call-ins. And just last year, we started having in-studio guests. Um, the, Peach Ra- uh, the Peach Radio Show started out as just my show, and then me and my partner created a whole network for other people to do shows on it because we had uh-huh. built the following. So <laughs> it's like my life just keep branching into different 
areas. <laughs> oh my God, what an experience! No, no, I know, and it is. It's sort of like even though, like sometimes you'll be like kind of tired, but there's something that comes out of it. You learn about the community, or you talk to someone who's extraordinary, who you think can be like really inspirational to the community. And even though you're tired, you're going like, you know, but there's still more people, great people out there that others need to know about. And I'm glad, and I understand that, you know, during COVID it has meant, and it's been really important, and I'm glad that you're going to go back to do it because so many people have gone home, and they're not getting out and they're not going to it, but still to be able to see and stay in contact with the community like that, it is just like so important. Now, a couple of times you've mentioned your nonprofit. I'm telling you. I mean, when do you rest? <laughs> you mentioned the nonprofit, which is and which I like. I am me. I mean, really. Bottom line, I am me. But it's not monolithic because, like you said, I mean, you bring so much. There's so many different parts to you. How did you start? I am me, and how many, when you started, it's in Delaware, you started it, when did you start it, and what's the purpose of this organization? I am me was started in 2019, January 2019, um, on the Peach Radio show, I kept threatening that I was going to start a nonprofit. <laughs> I threatened for maybe two, three years. So finally I said, okay, I need to sit down and start this nonprofit. Um, we need a safe space. I keep getting inboxes for a safe space. Um, I can't tell you how many times I went in my inbox and people would just tell me what they need, um, all sharing all their experiences. It, it was either very sad or very heartwarming. It, it and I'm like, okay, this nonprofit has to happen. So I reached out to people that I've known, that I met through my journey doing all of this, the promotions and things of that nature. And I knew they're strong, Susan. I said, okay, I'm ready to start this nonprofit. And I said, the goal of it is I don't want it to come from a space of, whoa, it's me, I'm LGBT. I want it to come from a space of I'm LGBT and you're going to deal with it. Uh -huh. And I'm going to teach you how to. I'm going to educate you about me. And so we came up with the name I am me. I'm me. Just like you're uh -huh. you, I'm me, and everyone deserves respect. So the mission for I am me is to uplift the LGBT community, to unify us through education and to educate better allies. We want our allies to be on the front lines, and when you go to defend us, we want you to know the exact words, exactly what to say. We don't want you to say that's not nice, that's cruel. We want you to say, no, that is not correct, that's not the correct information. This is, is why this is like this. And hopefully the person that's spewing the hate discrimination could kind of get a different perspective because we're giving you actual facts mm -hmm. from the community. So that's the goal of I am me. 
you know, I, what I like about that, too, is when you say that, I mean, how often do you hear people and, like, they'll say, like, well, I didn't know anybody gay or, you know, there's none in my neighborhood. But when you say, I am me, and you're showing just who you are, even for an ally, if they, they know you, they know peers, they know members of I am me. And if they hear someone out there saying something that just isn't true or it's uneducated or it's hate-filled about a member of the LGBTQ community, they'll remember that face, that face of someone who said, I am me. And like you said, it's not from like, oh, I'm being, I'm being so, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to be me. It's like, I am strong, I am powerful, I am doing these things in the community, I'm your neighbor, you know, I might be your teacher, I might be taking care of your kids, but I am me. And see me. Yeah. And if you see someone, you're not going to let a misspeak or hate speech just slide under the table. You're going to stand up and say something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you threatened everybody. You told them, <laughs> I'm going to start this nonprofit. Who showed up when you said, I'm ready to do this? Who showed up? Uh, well, actually, when I say I'm going to do this nonprofit, it wasn't even about anybody showing up. It was about me just selecting people that I knew that I thought would be qualified to be involved. And then once we um, got the board and everything together and then our bylaws and stuff, we initiated um, our introductory uh, event, which is called Sunday Tea. And that's your introduction to the board and IME. So we invite you into the, our safe space. We talk to you about who we are and what our mission is and what, our, what, what we are planning to do for uh, 2021 and 2022. And then we give you the opportunity to decide if you want to get involved. And so far, I mean, we've had great turnouts. I mean, that's how we actually got the president, uh, the newer president of the NAACP, she was at the second Sunday tea and was impressed. Even the United Way has gotten involved. We've had um, uh, another uh, home for LGBT people in New Jersey that got involved called Compassion and Choices. So we've been doing very well, very well. Uh-huh. Now, how... You were going to have planned events. And then, of course, like we all know, COVID hit. (laughs) How did you pivot in your implementation of this nonprofit? I mean, you went from being able to have these events to then suddenly it's like, you know, the brakes are on for a couple of years. You know, it's hard to believe it's been almost two whole years. But how did you pivot and keep the momentum going for IME during COVID? Well, during COVID, we just spent that time initiating and building bylaws, and we used our shows on the uh, Plug Studio Network, the Peach Radio Show, Let It Out, all the other shows, just to let people know that we are building it. We're building a nonprofit. We are active. Until then, we have these shows running that you can enjoy and be entertained by, and once we get everything up and going in our events, then you'll get the information from the shows. So it's always something 
happening. You always you always kind of know when you're following me um, what's going on through our marketing, from the shows, our social media pages, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Now, the Sunday tea, are you, have you continued it, like, during 2020, 2021? Are you doing that virtually? How are you doing, handling that? Our Sunday teas are once a month, every month, and we started that in June, and we just kept it going. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow, that, that's really, that's really great. Um, you know, I see, because I, I looked and I, I see your, on your website, you've got your board, you've got your vice chair, um, treasurer, administrative assistant, um, and I noticed, you know, You've got a public liaison and a media and advertising. It's like a night you've got a nice working group. But then you also offer memberships. What are memberships like in being part of IAM? What does our membership in this organization provide? Okay, with our membership is you come in, um, actually it's, uh, it's fee-based, so you pay $50 a year, and that gets you into all of our events. Um, when you come in, you initially have to go through the membership committee, and you get an orientation. We sit down. We talk to you. We ask you what your strong suits are, and then we put you in one of our uh, committees. And then each board member heads that particular committee, and you have to go within the um guidelines of that committee. So for us, we have five, the Legislative Committee, Marketing Committee, Fundraising Committee, Event, and then just the basic volunteering committee. So they have choices. And we just, we talk to you, and it's not, you know, where we pressure you. It's we want to bring out the best in you so you can represent IME as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got your committees going, and they're up legislative now. What can you do? Are you a five hundred one c three? We currently do. We do have the application out, and it's still pending. It's the IRS is on such a backlog because of COVID. Uh-huh. Well, you know because we know that. But can what can you do as far as legislative? I do provide advocacy. Um, are you finding certain legislation that you feel are hot buttons that really need to be pushed and to the forefront? What can you do as far as advocacy? I know that there are some limitations that a nonprofit can do. How do you choose, pick and choose the legislation that you want to support? Now, currently, because we just really started the legislative committee, committee is only populated with one person at the moment. <laughs> what that does is the goal of that committee is to keep us abreast of what's going on. So whoever's in it would be, you know, attending um, public events. They'll be talking to different uh councilmen, you know, they'll be directly, you know, involved with the legal aspect of what's going on in Delaware and then kind of come back and we'll sit at the table and have like a forum. And you'll basically, okay, this is what's going on uh, 
what they're trying to do versus what the community needs or what the community is asking for and how could we implement that. And if it's too much for IME to deal with, then we have, you know, partnerships with like the NAACP and the United Way. I forgot to mention that not only are the board members the board of IME, we do build partnerships so we can expand our scope and reach and how we can address the issues within our community. And mind you, anything that we decide to do, it's not about us determining what it is. It's about us talking to the community, and the community kind of drives what they want for Delaware, and then we move to see how we can make that happen. So it's never about us. We're always for the people. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, you know, because that's, how do you pick organizations? I know that you obviously you're working with NAACP. You've talked about some of the other organizations. How do you know when it's the right fit for IME? Well, we know that they're the right fit. Number one, you have to show us that you're willing to be inclusive. If you aren't willing to be inclusive of LGBTQ within all the all the departments throughout your organization, we will not get involved. We will not develop a partnership with you. Um, you have to be open. Um, we cannot feel like you are, again, excluding us. Um, and more, most importantly, we love it when it seems like you're already trying to go that route and you just probably need that consult from us. So if you have a committee that you're already trying to develop and is underdeveloped and we're like, okay, you are already taking that first step. And also we ask if you have donated to uh, LGBT nonprofit, what were your relationships uh, prior to coming to us? So those are the things that's important to us. Well, you know, that's it, because often you'll find, like, with many many people want to jump on the bandwagon, but they haven't done the work. And I like that you, how you're saying that, you know, you look at their track record. Have they supported what's their language like? Are they really inclusive? Or like you said, is it somebody who just wants to be able to put your banner on their space to say, oh, well, look, you know, we're down with the LGBTQ community when, in fact, they aren't, you know. Every dollar, you know, I had an aunt say all money isn't good money, so if someone wants to just give you money but not do the work, you know, you, you might not want to take that money. You might say, well, you know, we'll pass on it, but this is what you can do to be worthy of being one of our sponsors, one of, being our, one of our supporters of being a member. And now you have members and you have volunteers. If someone, because I know that you said that your members, you ask them to serve on a committee and do all that. So if someone says, like, I'm not prepared to do all of that, would you suggest to them then that they just be a volunteer? Yes. We would say be a volunteer or you could just be a member. You don't have to commit. Sometimes some people just want to, support, but they don't want to be active, and that's fine with us, too. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. Now, I noticed, okay, you just had your holiday celebration, which looked like it was a lot of fun. What was the turnout? Did you find, are people 
hungry to get back out there and be in community after all this time of being isolated. Yes. Um, our turnout was great. We didn't have, we had, I'll say this, we met capacity on uh, paper. Um, uh-huh. But I think that COVID has people afraid. So I'll say about 60 to 70% of the people that committed to come and came. So uh-huh. it was great that way. I don't think it's so much of a home. Well, with us, with, with my experience from Friday, it wasn't about being hungry of, of to just be out and socialize. I think people came because they wanted to be in that safe space and they wanted that community love because, you know, um, it's a little bit different for us being LGBT around the holidays, especially if your family is not as accepting. Or, you uh-huh. know, you don't have um, any kind of structure, uh, friend-based or family-based. So I think they just wanted that family feel. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I mean, really. I mean, many people think, oh, you know, they go through the holidays, holidays, holidays. But because we have found family to be able to be with them, that, you know, that makes it good. You know, I know that for me, holidays is about being around my found family, most of them who are members of the community, to sort of be there. Um, So did you have your Sunday tea in December? I see that you're going to have one in January. But did you have a Sunday tea in December, and or did you just like sort of like, oh, we'll wait for Christmas, the holidays? Uh, we didn't have the Sunday tea in December. We just went with our Christmas party. Um, uh-huh. One thing about our Christmas party, it's not the average one. I tell everybody uh-huh. when you come, expect our Christmas party is more, I know it says Christmas, but it's more about a celebration of uh-huh. our lives, about being LGBT and that we made it and we're still here despite everything that could have went on throughout the year. Let's embrace and love each other and give each other that support and that unity that we need. That's what our Christmas party is about. And it was so emotional because we've had people actually well up in tears that was there. Wow. Wow, that is. And I I can see that, you know. I mean, to be welcome, to feel loved, to be in that space where you know, or there are other people who have walked that path, you know, that love. I mean, that is just like, I mean, I looked at the pictures and I was like, wow, you know, I could have used this to be there. I'm waiting for the way that we can start to, to be like on, on Star Trek and be myself there because some, there's sometimes when it's really great to be in community and to be able to walk in a in a, a space, like you said, a safe space where it might be your first time going there, but because you know who the people are and where their heart is and how they're feeling, it's like, hey, I'm home. Yeah, yeah. So is it, is it turning out to be, when you took on saying I'm going to start a nonprofit, is it 
being what you were hoping it was going to develop into, and what do you see moving forward? Yes, the nonprofit, well, the Christmas party showed me that our mission is being met and we are actually touching and reaching uh, the people that we need to touch and reach. As far as the future of IME Inc., our goal is to continue to have uh, different educational events and social events, and then our next hope is to have a community center where we can facilitate. Um, after that, if we can get that up and running, then we were looking at creating uh, community spaces like for homes, um, shelters, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, if someone likes what we're doing, maybe they will open up a chapter of IME Inc. in another state. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That sounds good to me. Okay, we're going to take our second break. And then um, I know you've got some 2022 events play, um, uh, planned, but I also want to hear a little bit more about where you see yourself. So we'll be right there. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. And we're back here on Collections by Michelle. And our guest is a woman after my height. You know, she wears many hats. Pierce, um, wow. To take it from this dream, this ideal, you know, and to start a nonprofit. I know a lot of people talk about it. And I know people who have thought about starting something have gotten discouraged because it's, it's work. How do you keep your energy up? I mean, and so that, that you face the world with that great smile of yours, that, that energy of yours, that empathy that you have for the community and being open to hearing that. How do you keep your energy up and, and what is your support system? <laughs> well, I come from a family. My <laughs> My fam- I come from a family where the work ethic was a very good one. Um, I was raised by my grandparents, so I watched my grandfather work. He probably slept four hours a night, so I think that I got his work ethic, and he always used to say to me, we were once slaves, and we're not too far from being it, so 
you have to work to get as far from that as possible. So that's kind of like my mind state. I could sleep when I'm dead. While I'm alive, I need to be doing something for the living. And uh, life is not worth living if you're not accomplishing anything or helping someone. And that's what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. What is, you know, because if people said, well, and I hear that, I hear that in you and that you're going to work and you're going to keep it going, what has been the biggest reward for you from taking that idea of, of doing, you know, you've got this work decade, you've got, had this dream, you started this nonprofit, and as you look back, I mean, and I know that there's been challenges because these have been challenging times, but you're moving forward, and then you had your holiday celebration. What has been the biggest personal reward for you in doing this work? The people. Mm. The people that I'm impacting, the people that say thank you, I love you, the people. Mm. Now, I know that you're a mother. Do your, what does your, your kids, do you, what lesson are you trying to lead, leave for them? What's the legacy? You got a legacy, obviously, from your grandparents about the work ethic and doing it. But what is the legacy that you hope that they will get from the work that you do? Um, for my children, I, I hope in the end when they look back on what their mother has done, they say, you know what, my mother taught me if I don't like something, I have the ability to change it. Uh-huh. I have no excuse to complain. Get up and do mm. something. Mm. Mm. Wow. And you know what? And Isn't that good? You know, like, you're not living it, saying it's not on, going to be handed to you on a silver platter. Get up and do something. You can be the change that you want to see. I see that you have a number of things planned for 2022. One of them, you are planning a conference because I know that you're looking at, um, and I don't, I saw what month it was. Now I don't remember which month it was going to be in. But you've got this conference in June. What is that about? Um, That will be the Me Seminar. The Me Seminar is basically... um, a seminar, everything is about celebrating who we are, and it's um, educational-based. Um, it's going to be a tribute to uh, someone from the LGBT community. Um, historically, this year, it's going, well, next year, it's going to be about Marsha P. Johnson tribute, and uh-huh. we'll have a couple speakers from each letter representing and thanking Marsha um, for her contribution to us historically and then sharing their story about how things have changed from then, from the 69 till now. Um, our goal is to have LGBT there, of course, but to bring potential allies and people that are probably, I say flex, I call them flexible uh, homophobic people, people that were taught to be homophobic but not really homophobic. They just don't have the education base. So the Me Seminar will be perfect for them because you'll get the education. um, You'll get to understand us, our contributions, and we're not 
uh, a mental illness, as you know, some people seem to think that we are, we have mental problems. So, yeah, uh-huh. that's the fundamentals of the ME seminar, is to educate through entertainment. Hmm. Okay. Now, you mentioned that you're hoping to one day have a space, a physical space. Um, any particular area and what exactly are you hoping to have to be able to offer in that space moving forward? Now, the community center, we want the space to facilitate our events, and we also want to enable other LGBT organizations or party promoters or whatever to be able to utilize it as a safe space for their um, uh, events. Also, we want to do some educational things in there, um, just try to get more so with the youth once you create that uh, community center. It's just so many. It's it's just sky's the limit once you have it. Mhm. Mhm. And you know, it sounds like you are following that you see. Like it doesn't have to be like a big organization. There are big national organizations, and they they can do that that kind of heavy lifting. But I know that I have visited like in Atlanta and New Jersey smaller organizations that by providing that safe space, you know, we talk about visibility matters, but there's something about by providing that space where they know, you know, that's where I go. That's where I can go and find a, a ear, a face, tell my story, you know, or learn about other people. And it's so important. How are you, are you going to do... I know that right now you have a donations button on your page. How are you looking at making that a reality? I mean, are you going to do a capital campaign, or is that further down the road than your fundraiser? The community center is probably, I'll say, three to four years. But every time I say I set a goal, (laughs) this, this organization proves me wrong. Because the way uh-huh. we're going now and the um, support, I was thinking two or three years and, and, and the organization said, no, we're going to do this in, in four months. So I don't wow. like to set goals, but it's, it's going to happen in the future. And now to, um, as far as the funding, I'm hoping for the public, but on our board we have a fabulous grant writer. So once our 501c3 comes through and with the support of the other organizations, um, given us excellent advice and um, consults, we'll be able to probably generate the money that we need for that um, community center. And we also have a private business owners that's also interested. They're trying. I get. I feel like they're interested, but they're just trying to watch the progress. And they also uh-huh. give us uh, great information. So we're we're on the right track. Uh-huh. In the interim, do you have someone who's serving as a fiduciary for you so that, you know, like if someone wanted to make a, if they had a question about because you're making a a larger donation and that you have an organization that's acting as a fiduciary so they can make that to, to you as a 501c3? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good. Um, so I know that you say 
you have memberships, you have donations. We've got the events. I know that your events are not only, so you've got the Me Conference. You still are having your, um, your Sunday teas. What other events can we look, put on our calendar if you're in the Delaware area for 2022? Okay. Um, well, we do have an excellent um, event committee chair. Her name is Sharice. Um, I love her to death. She, she uh-huh. actually does um, just regular meetups where it's uh-huh. not so time-consuming for us where we have to uh, put on production and things of that nature. So you'll see her meetups pop up maybe once or twice a month, and that will be on the website. Right now she does have a meet-and-greet that's happening at the Green Turtle, and that's at the end of January. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there will not only will there be the Sunday tea, it will be the event committee um, events. And once the fundraising committee is fully populated, you'll see fundraising um, events happening also. So if someone wants to become a member, donate, volunteer, what's the and to stay abreast of what IME Corp is doing, what's the best way for them to do that? They just go on the website. Um, everything that you want to, it, it, it's right there on the website. Become a member, become a volunteer. If you want to speak at our seminars, if you are a DJ, if you are um, whoever you are in the community, even if it's not listed, we have our inboxes open on social media. You can contact us via email, everything is through the website, social media pages. We are open and we're ready to network with the community because, again, I can't stress this enough, IME Inc. is not about the board in itself. It's about the community. We're here to represent you. And what is your website? It's www.imecorp.org. Okay. Yes, and I'll repeat it's www.ime.corp, um, imecorp.org. I want to make sure I get that because I know that it has IME Inc., but your website is imecorp.org. Yes. Okay. Everything is there. They can do that. Um, and also on your website, you even have a, a space there where they can um, go into like a chat, say what it is, and that. I tell you, I know that you are pretty quick to reply to everything. Yes. When you're, okay, when you're not wearing all these, these different hats, what do you do for your downtime? On my downtime? <laughs> I like to. I, listen, even on, my, even on my downtime, I'm doing something involving uh being LGBT, like I'll probably watch a YouTube video about historical facts about being LGBT. Um, I read books a lot. I love reading. Um, And I'm working. You know, my day job, I'm a nurse. So I'm just, yeah, I'm always doing something. I don't have downtown like that. I don't like idle time. Uh Uh-huh. Well, as as a nurse, you know, I know you are one of our frontline workers, and I want to salute you for what you're doing. And that not only are you 
here in the healing arts, helping take care of people as a nurse, but you're doing all of this for our community. I salute you. I thank you for that. You know, that is just like, and you're trying to do it all and enjoy life before you get arthritis. I mean, girl, (laughs) you are something else. You know, here's, you are, people like you are the heart of our community. And I will say that it's also when I see and hear people like you who are picking it up. You know, we can't do this. We can't have equality. We can't get our rights. We can't move. All of this isn't going to happen through legislation. Part of it is about moving hearts and minds so people see us as the beautiful individuals, people making a difference that we are. You are doing that not only through the I Am Me Corp, but through your work with the NAACP. You know, you don't just show up. As they say, you also show out. You show out as a woman of color, a mother, a member of the LGBTQ community. That's how we create change, and that's how one day we will all be equal. And also as a, as a good partner, because, hey, many times people who are out, they don't show up, and their partner says, well, why don't you? They say, oh, no, that's you. You just go do that. You're there. You listen, and I'm glad that she saw that you were the person who needed to carry this mantle, and you picked it up. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to thank you for taking the time to be this. You know, I'm going to be watching. You know, don't be surprised if I show up in June because there's someone else I know who's doing something in that area about that time of year. So don't be surprised. You know, people will tell you, you know, Michelle shows up. You know, I showed up in Atlanta. You know, I've got people who I show up with in Princeton and New York and everywhere because I like to see our community in action, and I like knowing people who are leading our community in action. So I want to thank you for taking the time today to be with me. Oh Well, no, I thank you for having me. I'm humbled that you took the time out to even take interest. <laughs> you didn't have to. Yeah. I want to thank my guest, Pierce Peach McCoy, the LGBTQ Chair for the Central Delaware NAACP. She is also the Founder and President of I Am Me Incorporated. I Am Me was created to combat the continuous discrimination LGBTQ plus people face in their personal lives, workplaces, and social settings. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. 
Thank you for listening.